Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimao of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is Diego, a.k.a. Lil Xan. You may know him for his super popular song back in 2018 or whatever, Betrayed. You may also know him as that emo rapper kid with all the face tattoos. One of the first cohort of all those people who kind of broke out. But as you will find out from this interview, he has grown up a lot since then. And he's actually a really smart guy. Very sharp. There's a lot more going on there than I think a lot of people may realize. Since then, he's gotten sober. He's gone independent. He was on a major label before, I think Atlantic or something. He's now taken all that under his own control, started a Patreon. Like, you know, he's really reinventing himself as a human and as an artist. And that's kind of really what this show is all about. It's about talking to people who have found a way to make a living on their own terms, doing whatever it is that makes them happy in the way that they want to do it. And I think he's a case study in that. And you guys know I also talk a lot about mental health and addiction on this show, and he's got a lot of smart things to say about that. So this is a really good one. Really, really enjoyed this one. And I also happen to think his new music is super good. I also want to thank our mutual friend, Michael Montoya, for introducing us and making this happen. Need to do a show with Michael soon, too, because he's got a great story, too. You may know him from his old deathcore band, Goliath, or being in Winds of Plague now, but he's also a very accomplished producer who's worked with people like Xan, Juice World, Bones, Scarlord, like pretty much all the cool kind of edgier rappers these days. He's got a great story, too, so thank you to Michael for connecting us. Before I get into this show, there's a couple things that you can do to support the show if you are so inclined. Number one, share it on social media. That really helps us a lot. Number two, you can sign up for the Punk Rock NBA email list. I send out an email every week with links to any of the content that I put out. No ads or spam or anything like that. There's a link to that in the show notes. And number three, if you really, really like us, you can choose to support us on Patreon if you are so inclined. It is because of the patrons that were able to do this show, so I'm very grateful for your support. You can check that out at the link in the description as well. But first, before we get into that, let's do a little bit of Q&A. From BBS Bartell, if you didn't pursue the career path you chose, what else would you be doing with your life? I've thought about this one quite a lot, and, you know, who knows, at this point in my life, you know, I am who I am, but 
I think if I had it to do all over again, knowing what I know about myself, I probably would have gotten like a master's in computer science, I think, because I've realized that that's how my brain works. You know, when I was younger, I always thought I wanted to be an artist of some kind. But as I got older and I worked with, you know, different kinds of people, like uh, as I've talked about before, when I was in my you know mid 20s, I worked for a product design firm. We did like industrial design and engineering uh, for a bunch of people, but in particular Procter and Gamble, like Febreze and Swiffer, and you know all that stuff that I worked on. And I got to work with a lot of engineers at that job. Um, we had mechanical and electrical engineers. So, for example, like for the Swiffer, the Swiffer that's on the market now, I'm pretty sure is still the one that we designed. And so you got to figure out stuff like you know you can draw it and you know and, and sort of communicate what you would like it to look like, but an engineer has to actually design the parts that go into this thing and figure out how they fit together and how the molds are going to be designed that's going to make these things. And there's a chemical engineer, you know, mechanical engineer would do that stuff, like detailed part design and make sure that they're strong enough that it doesn't crack when you push on it, that sort of thing. And then there's a chemical engineer that has to figure out, you know, the, the I don't know what you call it, the juice, you know, that's on the, the Swiffer wet mop. You know, the, there's a chemical engineer that has to formulate that and figure out, you know, if it's safe and does it do what we want it to do? And if not, how do we adjust it? And there's an industrial engineer that has to optimize the factory because, you know, Swiffer sells hundreds of millions of these units a year. And in order to meet that demand, you got to make sure that your factory is as efficient as possible. And how can you find cost savings, stuff like that? And going into it, I thought that I was going to get along best with the designers because when I was a kid, you know, I always told myself I want to be an artist, a creative person. But what I found is that I got along best with the engineers. Like, that's just how my brain works. I click with engineers, you know, accountants, finance people, stuff like that, that are like very rational, you know, logical, methodical kind of people. And I, and I kind of don't really click with a lot of creative types. Uh, and I'm not putting them down. I've just realized that my brain doesn't really work that way. I have like an engineer brain. You know, I do things that are quote unquote creative, like making videos and stuff like that. But that's not how my brain works. Uh, and so I realized that I kind of butted heads with people who have more of a creative brain. And, you know, I've worked with computers and technology and stuff since I was a kid. You know, I was on the Internet in 1994, like when this, this was shortly after the first web browser came out. That's how long ago it was. Like Windows didn't even have a TCP IP stack back then. You had to download this thing called Trumpet Windsock uh, to like dial in to your, you know, Internet connection and stuff. Um but, uh, you know, that's how my brain works. And the problems that I'm interested in solving now uh, are ones that, you know, technologists solve now, primarily like computer scientists. I like solving problems at scale. I like making products and putting them out into the market and iterating on those things. And, you know, that's kind of the core of what software engineers do. That's where the action is. Those are where, like, the most interesting problems are being solved. And I think that's probably what I would do uh, if I had to do it all over again. You know, finance is another place that could be interesting to me, but finance is, to me, less of kind of an intellectual exercise than it is just sort of a challenge of, like, you know, how do you move money from this pile to the other one in the way that creates the most value for you, which is cool. Uh, I mean, that's interesting too, but... You know, I just I really like that kind of like academic challenge that goes into like engineering. And that's probably what I would do. You know, I, I could change course. I could decide that I wanted to and I can write some code. You know, I'm capable of doing that. But there's a big difference between being able to write some code 
and being an actual engineer, these are two very different things. You know, so if you go to like a coding boot camp or something like that, you'll come out of it being able to write some code, but that doesn't mean you're an engineer. I would want to be an actual software engineer, not just a kind of half-assed code monkey, which is what I <laughs> what I am now. You know, if you put a gun to my head and asked me to build an app, I could do it, but I would do it in a way that's very janky and shitty and would make any real engineer shake their head at all the like really stupid design decisions and stuff that I made. And that's just not how I like to roll. I like to do things the right way. Uh, and so that's probably what I do, you know, go get a master's in computer science or something and start a, a technology company of some kind, I think. But, you know, I'm happy with where I'm at. Um, and uh, I guess that the takeaway from all this to me is to, you know, understand how your brain works and, and what is a natural fit for you, which may not be what you think is a fit. You know, you may think that you were put on this earth to be a guitarist, but it turns out that maybe you were put on this earth to be, you know, a chemical engineer or an accountant. And that's not a bad thing. You know, you don't get to choose who you are. You don't get to choose what your strengths are. I, I think that they find you as much as you find them. And the more you sort of learn to understand those and lean into them, I think the happier you'll be, even if they aren't what they thought they would be. So I hope that helps. And thanks for the question. We are doing a little co-promotional swap with my good friend Ray Harkins show 100 words or less. So the object of this ad read is for you to go listen to his podcast, which I sincerely think is great. I've known him for a very long time. I've been on the show and essentially it is an interview show where he sits down with people from independent culture, records the results of these conversations and puts them out for you. Some of the people who have been on the show include Will Putney from Fit for an Autopsy and producer extraordinaire, Toby from Emory, Chadwick Johnson of 100th, Joe Taylor from Knuckle Puck and many, many more. You get the idea. If you are into the bands that I talk about on my channel, then you're going to love the kind of stuff that Ray talks about. He is one of those genuinely nice, pleasant people that I have ever known. I really can't say enough good things about Ray. And he's been doing podcasts longer than pretty much anybody I know. So he's put a lot of time into this and it's a good show. I think you should listen to it, which you can do at the link in the show notes. Or you can go to the podcast platform of your choice and search for 100 words or less the podcast with your host and my good friend, Ray Harkins. So check out the show and hopefully you will like it as much as I do. And with that out of the way, let's get into the show. Diego, welcome to the podcast. I'm going to call you Diego because I always feel weird calling <laughs> people by their like... By their artist names, yeah. Yeah, they're like rap or graffiti names. Like when I used to do graffiti, you know, my friends would be like, hey, this this, this my boy lost. And be like, oh, you mean Bob. <laughs> yeah, bro. I, I introduced myself as Diego, uh to anybody really because I, I also feel very like weird or corny like to introduce myself as Dan it's like uh, I wonder I what, what what DaBaby does he's like hey what's what's up I'm DaBaby he probably doesn't introduce himself he probably expects you to know who he is I bet you the baby is just like yo I'm I'm, I'm the baby like I would if I was the baby I'd introduce myself as the baby <laughs> I, w I would too well thanks for making time for this and shout out to uh Michael for connecting us yeah Shout out to Mikey. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the show, but I would guess that a lot of people listening to this are probably like older rock fans who maybe really only know Betrayed and they probably think you're the same, yeah. you know, as 2018 or whatever, yeah. you know, the kid <laughs> with the face tattoos that thinks it's cool to take drugs and stuff. But it seems like you've grown up a lot, especially in the last year or so. Where are you at now mentally and with your career and stuff? Well, yeah, like you said, it, it was a, definitely like a rough 
like honestly a rough last three years to be honest i was addicted to so much so much stuff like xanax and opioids for the majority of my career but yeah i'm I'm off all that stuff now i just recently um last couple months got completely sober um and that that changed everything bro i feel like i missed out on all the like i missed i feel like I, i went on tours and stuff but i feel like i missed out like I should have been sober to enjoy it more, you know, if that makes sense. Like, because I'm now starting, my serotonin levels are like coming back slowly but surely. And it just feels really good. Like, it feels really good. I wish I would have been sober for a lot of the cool shit I did, be- you know, before the pandemic and uh, and just in life in general. But we're, we're at a good spot right now, mentally too. Um, we're at a good spot. So, you know, 2021, just got to hope that it's a it's a good year you know i just uh watched the video for my girlfriend this morning to do research for this. And, like, <laughs> your energy in that like seems like a different person like you seem so much more alert and like present. yeah <laughs> thank you yeah um definitely more alert um people can tell like like if i was to like relapse on drugs like the day my friends would know like within a day they'd be like oh he's back on something but yeah it's just it's like some one one step at a time kind of stuff you know we're just taking it easy we all make mistakes i just want to let people know like they're not alone when they're going through you know stuff like that and um if they ever need someone to talk to i'm there you can dm me well i think the fact that you've been so kind of transparent about that stuff you know i'm sure it's been hard for you but i think that's probably helped a lot of people even if it just helped one person if i could just not help one person that would mean so much to me but you're probably right it probably has helped a bunch of people and and that's like probably one of the, the the better feelings of this is just knowing that, you know, if you subconsciously you're helping people, even if you do know or not know. But, yeah, I get messages from fans all the time saying, like, I'd save their lives and stuff I'm like that. Is, that makes me almost cry like every time. <laughs> Crazy. I think it's kind of interesting that, you know, when you be, when anybody becomes known for some for like partying or drugs or whatever, um, on the one hand, you know, I'm sure that you feel like, well, shit, I feel like, you know, I've set a bad example or maybe I got someone to think that something wasn't cool. But on the other hand, that's the reason why you connected with a lot of people who needed help. You know what I mean? Like, they're listening to you because they can tell that you're going through the same shit that they are. Yeah, definitely speaks for itself in the music, too, with Betrayed, like the... I think what captivated people with Betrayed was uh, the whole The Hook, uh, The Zans Don't Make You. And I knew it was a cool song when I wrote that, but I didn't realize, you know, how big of the impact of that, just that hook would be, you know, because, yeah, it's it's insane, bro. People really, uh, I don't know, it's it's crazy. It's even kind of hard for me to understand how big that song was because, you know, I know of you through Michael and other people and stuff. Yeah. So to me, I think of you as like someone kind of just like, you know, in our kind of circle, but that song was fucking huge. Yeah. It, I think it has like on, on uh, shout out Cole Bennett. Uh, he did the video. I think on his channel, it has like about 300 million on a random channel. It has like 50 million. And on my channel, it has like another hundred. I don't even understand. I wrote that song sitting on top of a, a washing machine and like yeah and it's i probably wrote it in like 15 minutes and i was like oh let's go that's when we were just cranking out songs you know mikey my homie john we were just trying to make the hit you know like just cranking out songs 15 minute songs and betrayed came out of them like those sessions it's crazy you were 17 18 then like super young right i think i was maybe late 17 turning eight. no i was 18 yeah definitely 18 yeah 24 now i can't imagine what a ride 
it would be it's like it's almost cruel that we make people that young famous because there's fucking no way that anybody that age is prepared for it no not at all honestly i've said the same thing um like when you give money and fame to such a young like person like nobody's nobody teaches you like what to do with that you know and that's and why how could they yeah and how you know like you would have to have a mentor come in that's been through it to teach you, but you know we don't have that so that was actually a big problem for me too was uh yeah i got fame and money way too early i feel like and you know everybody's a yes man sure and shit when you you know what i mean so everybody would just wants to do shit for you and so i felt like i was on top of the world uh circa 2018 and 19 and stuff and yeah, it, it, it starts to really affect like, your mental health. I will say that, like, especially uh, the pandemic has shown me that, like, ever since the pandemic started, can't do shows, there's less people around you, and, you know, you're not outside. You st- like, low-key, yeah, it starts getting depressing and stuff. You start feeling like you're not as good as you were, and it's just, uh, yeah, it's crazy, man. And sh- I'm starting to realize all the crazy shit that when I was around a bunch of people, like that gratification you know like it was it was like it's like its own drug i feel like of what just feeling um, like you're the man yeah bro definitely just feeling like you're the man like i'm not a cocky person but it was just a good i mean any i think that's just human nature anybody that feels good for anybody yeah definitely um but like i say yeah the pandemic hit less people around stuff you start realizing what's important i'm starting to realize like none of that shit's really i mean i knew that shit wasn't important but yeah, it's just a it's just a weird time, weird time, man. Well, how do you kind of make the decision to look out for yourself? Because, like you said, you know, there's so many people in the industry who are happy to just kind of let you self destruct if it's profitable for them. Ooh, and yes. you know, they'll just move on to the next person. And how do you kind of know when to snap out of that and be like, you know, I have to look out for myself? Yeah, I feel like that's happening to me actually right now with the. Uh, things I can't talk about and stuff. But um, yeah, right now I'm really just trying to focus on myself. My sobriety uh, is the most important thing to me, I feel like. And I'm still making music. I'll go out, like the little times I do go out, I did go out in public uh, in 2020. People would yeah, still come up to me and take pictures and stuff, but they'd always be like, yo, when are you dropping new music? That was like the most common thing. And I'm like, damn, like if they're telling me that, they could see that I'm not dropping music. You put out, a decent amount of stuff. Yeah, like I think I put out what might be like two songs last year. Oh, okay. I thought it was more than that. <laughs> no, the the most recent one, my girlfriend. No, that was like a couple months ago. I think they're like three months. Yeah, I, I just slowed my roll with like I was I was gonna put out an album and stuff. When I wanted to do all that, let me also tell you, I was so fucked up off of drugs, so fucked up. It was like dictating what I did like everything in my life. So I was just, it was like a crazy mess just of my life going on. Um, so I really have just taken this time to slow down and focus on what I want my music to sound like first and foremost, because I've gotten older, you know, I'm 24, I'm not 18 anymore. I don't want to keep rapping about the same stupid shit that I was rapping about. Sure. We're going to come back. We're going to be back in a different way, in a different setting, one that's more appropriate. What do you think that's going to sound like? Definitely going to have elements of Zan. Definitely. My voice is too, (laughs) I feel like too interesting for that not to, but maybe more like indie alternative, something like that, you know, shout out to, you know, uh, MGK, what he's doing is super sick, but maybe a little more indie, Yeah, you know, trying to, trying to do my own because i know 
like what MGK does, but I love MGK's music, but a lot of people are trying to copy it and it feels very oversaturated. Right. Like, but he's doing it beautifully. But it's just we go into studio sessions all around LA and it's like the same. Right. People are just trying to emulate that alternative sound. Yeah. So are you thinking more of like the kind of Kenny Hoopla grandson kind of direction of indie? Is that oh, what you mean? Yeah. 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 Like uh like that too. I love I love all types of like indie music or just music in general. But like uh Day Glow, like Day Glow. Um who else? I've been a uh, boy Pablo. Boy Pablo's dope. Just uh like I love Cage Elephant. Uh and then I've been listening to like a lot of like older stuff too, like the strokes and stuff. I don't know, just, I'm getting in my bag now. It's like I, I love that whole vibe, bro. Like there's so many artists that because I was so focused on just focusing on what hip hop was doing, and I feel like it, it clouded my brain. And I was like, like you gotta like open up more and stuff. So I've been listening to music I wouldn't normally listen to, but just I'm having a great time doing that. Somebody, uh, I was reading some comments or whatever, and someone said that you were like stuck between between two genres, meaning like alternative <laughs> and and hip hop. And I, I mean, I see what I see what that person said, but I think that there's, I think that you are in a genre that didn't exist until a couple months ago. That is that you know, or a couple years ago. That it's like the combination of those two things. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you know, you you are accepted in hip hop to some extent, but you're not really a rap guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, not. What What's funny about that is. Uh... You know, I got big off making music, which was super cool. It's a blessing for anybody that's trying to make music. And then uh, the media, the media just picked me up on some other shit. And it was like every week there was some new crazy big TMZ story about me. I, I mean, for good reason. I'm, I'm, I was going through it for all that. Sure. But, but it's interesting because you're hardly the only person going through the same shit. And they really did pick up on you disproportionately yeah yeah they did it's not like you're the only person in la doing drugs <laughs> yeah no nah, not at all not at all but it's just like the the random stories that that they would post i feel like actually elevated my career and let people know who i was so at a certain point i made i made this joke like, i'm still i'm still an artist i'm still gonna make music forever but i made a joke during that time period like I don't even have to make music anymore, man. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of like good. <laughs> I just got to keep doing dumb shit. Yeah, no, we're going to keep making music. And But, but that is true is that I have to think that it, that's a terrible incentive for people is that you're rewarded for doing self-destructive things. Like when, when you, when you have a chill, healthy day, TMZ doesn't give a fuck. Yeah. They're not, they're not uh, publishing that story. <laughs> you're exactly right they just want to see you self-destruct you can literally go on youtube and watch my whole life self-destruct <laughs> sure. like four videos which is crazy like but they love it and it's it's terrible but they love it yeah we're we're in like a, a time and day and age where it's like you know that's it that's like cool i feel like it's almost cool to like be on some self-destructive shit it's not cool i don't think it's cool i don't think it is either well what role did kind of alternative and rock have on you as far as influence you know you're you know a lot of people think of you as a rapper but and you you are but there's definitely more to it than that when it comes to like alternative and like rock i grew up on like early you know big one was early arctic monkeys like their old stuff I've, i liked when it was more punk kind of great band queens of the stone age sick classic everything the killers and all that whole just uh the so you're a 2005 hipster yes I, I, <laughs> yes 
Yes, I'm a 2005 American Apparel. Hipster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I mean, go further back. I grew up, you know, Nirvana, Smashing Pumpkins, all that grunge stuff. Yeah, bro, it's kind of hard because I listen to everything because my dad, like, my dad is why I make music because uh, he was so musically like inclined, and uh, and I wasn't even like that big on listening to records and stuff. But um, he had a, a record machine, and we would just play everything on vinyl. So I learned like, and he had everything from like Beethoven to like De La Soul to N.E.R.D. to like some, to everything, you know. So I was just very open to to music in its own. The music's beautiful. I love it. And listening to it like that really it forces you to slow down and listen to the details because you can't skip as easily. Yeah, you definitely can't skip that easy on that thing. It was uh, it was real opener for me. You know, I, I realized I've always had such a big passion for music. Via, uh, via my dad because of that and i just never knew what to do with it and then obviously it translated probably into a cool little music career so shout out to dad <laughs> so when did you like hook up with uh michael and some of the other people that were there early on and kind of decide what direction you wanted to go with it or or did you even decide or did you just kind of fucking whatever happened happened or how did that how did that happen that's a crazy story i used to be a photographer and i was on soundcloud i wasn't on soundcloud i was just like a, a consumer of SoundCloud. And uh, I found this artist called Stephen Cannon. Still a good friend to this day. I felt like I was so cool because I was listening to something that nobody had heard before, but it was so good. And I showed all my friends, started becoming Stephen Cannon fans to the point where I finally found him like opening up for an artist uh, at Los Globos in Los Angeles. And so we went and I stood in line with my friend for like four hours. Let me also tell you, Nobody else was in line for four hours. Like we thought, we thought we had to get there. <laughs> you know, like, nobody... You're like you could just show up when he's about to play. <laughs> exactly. I was bro. gonna say I didn't realize people had to wait in line to see him back then, but I guess they didn't. No, bro, that was me just being stupid. <laughs> and uh, he finally shows up. I get a picture with him. Whatever the show happens, it was cool. Backstage, I go and I'm like, "Yo, can I take pictures of you and and you and your crew?" You know, I'm just trying to anything at this point. They're like, "Yeah, yeah, okay." So I started taking pictures, go home, send him the pictures. And that connection, who was back there was Mikey, John, and everybody that I'm still with to this day, like was in that little group right there. And so I just built that connection from right there. Probably annoyed the hell out of them for, uh, I know I used to just show up to their house all the time, like without knowing. Um, and yeah, I just built that connection and like five or four or five years later, we're still going crazy the same people it's beautiful man usually that doesn't happen there's so much to be said for not being afraid of being that annoying kid you know especially yeah. when you're that age like i just did a podcast with uh, the guys from a band called fame on fire that had a studio in florida and they knew poor stacy when he was just the kid that would hang out at the studio and so i was like how did you end up doing a song with him and that's how it happened and you know same for me that's how i know so many people it works. you know that i still talk to you just can't be afraid of being that awkward annoying little kid yeah you can't cuz it's not it's going to like work for you to some extent obviously not but it just takes that one time that one connection to be built and also shout out to poor stacy man Mikey, you did a crazy record with poor Stacey. Yeah, Mikey did a crazy unreleased record with Andrea. Shout out. He's going to blow it. Like, he's dope. Shout out poor Stacey. Yeah, absolutely. And so you weren't making music at all then? When when you met them backstage, they were taking photos? Yeah, I was strictly a photographer. That's crazy. And then uh, I started doing, like, uh, BTS of their shows. And I, I'm not, I wasn't even that good. Like, I don't think they liked me at first. 
to be honest. Yeah, I don't think they liked me very much. Um, they probably thought, because I was so weird. I would just show up to, like, but yeah, you have to be that weird kid. I would just show up to their shows without them knowing, and they'd be like, oh, he's putting in a lot of uh, effort. So they just, yeah, took me in at that point. But then my camera got stolen at one of their shows, and I was like, oh, I was devastated. Because, like, it took me so much to, like, save up for that camera and just to have it gone. But that night, we actually lost our close friend Gabe that same night due to a, an overdose. So I was like, I can't be mad about the camera. That's replaceable. Like, you know, life isn't. And after that day, I, you know, I, I kept seeing my friends, like, Steven make music, like, where I'd be hanging out. And I'm like, I should try it, you know, like, see what happens. And my first couple songs sucked really bad. Uh, <laughs> but that's part of the process, too. Yeah, that's part of the part. You got to find, you know, your sound and your voice. Yeah, if you if you're amazing on the first try, you're gifted. And you, good for you, but yeah, that's good not for you. the rest of us. Yeah, that's not us. And yeah, it, they liked. Uh, but my producers liked my voice. They they even if the song came out bad, they were like, you have a good voice, like a good raspiness to it. And uh, and so we just worked with it. They helped me work on it, and we eventually put out some you know decent music. And it just got. I like to think it got better. So. Yeah. I feel like you could do like voiceover for like Pixar movies or something. Yeah. If there's like some <laughs> sleepy like cat character or something. Yo, I've had this conversation with all my friends. I'm like, yo, I want to do voice acting. Like I could, yeah, I could be the sleepy cat. <laughs> there you go. It's an extra, like how Gilbert Godfrey got big for being like the parrot in Aladdin. Oh my God. Yeah. We got to look for these jobs because. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you got the Hollywood connections. You can make it happen. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. 
And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. The photography thing is interesting because one of the things I was going to ask you about is like, I feel like you have really strong creative direction, you know, with your videos and the way you dress and just kind of everything. And I was wondering where that came from and how hands-on you are with that. And it sounds like you are also a very visual person then. Yeah, definitely. My my style is definitely because of probably little Mikey over here. <laughs> He's the, the brains behind the operation. Yes, yes. This guy has been dapping me up in cool merch. And he, I mean, not just wearing the merch, he also shows me new music. To, so to, when you like, see Diego in a Vane shirt, we know who to blame. Yeah, you blame Mikey right there. No, but he'll actually, he, he's not going to just let me be a poser and just wear it. He's like, you want to wear this? Like, you got to listen to some of their music first. So shout out to Mikey. And other than that, I say, I, I would say I was more hands-on in the past with like my style, especially when I was like in the limelight more and shit. I feel so lazy. You catch me in like sweatpants and like a hoodie nowadays. Like, I don't know. I just feel like that's the type of vibe that the year is on right now. So. Sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, it'd be weird to be like, you know, a hundred percent drip. Drip you know, the time. Just like, you know, at home playing Xbox. Yeah. People do that though, which is funny. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's a vibe too, you know. <laughs> that's a, definitely a vibe. It's a certain vibe right there. Not mine though. What is your team now? Are you like totally independent or what tell me about that? I'm totally independent at the moment. Besides for like, you know, my uh my friends like Kinfolk John and uh Morgoth. We have like offers on the table, but we're just, I don't know, we're just figuring out where where we want the brand to be, where we want to be first and foremost. And just just seeing what we can achieve, seeing like what's the best, the best route. So we're just taking it slow and figuring it out. We don't wanna cause I, I had like a, a bad label experience the first time. So we really wanna not deal with that again, if possible. Well, you know what they're gonna wanna do is they're gonna want you to be on the radio again, making the biggest songs you possibly can and all that yeah that's, you know there's nothing wrong with that but that's not necessarily the right move for you yeah i don't think that is because when they did do that um it felt cool at the time yeah when you hopped in the car and they were playing you know the record on there you felt like you're on top of the world but uh, the thing with labels and i have no i have nothing against labels you know it's it's a cool way to to get your music out there and get popping and stuff um but for me it just seems like a major label maybe wouldn't I don't I don't know if I want to go like do that again you know because I went on probably about a thousand radio runs you know where you just like oh my god that was the most excruciating thing ever and they all ask you the same terrible questions yes when you yes. can tell they've never listened to more than two seconds of your music yeah like they've press played for like a second it's always the same thing and I, i've had to say that like yeah a thousand times i feel like your situation is almost like the best possible scenario is you got the benefit of being on a major and kind of you know they can do things for you at the beginning of your career that are really hard to do for yourself oh, yeah yeah Shout and, out to and that. you got that benefit but now you can kind of 
take what they built and build your own thing on top of that. Yeah, um, I think that's exactly what we're trying to do. Um, shout out, yeah, shout out to the label because what I what I will say that I take away from the label the most is what I learned. Just watching them work and seeing how like the how the industry just you know works and stuff. So that was really cool to learn all that stuff. But now with that knowledge, it's like oh yeah, let's just let's start a, let's start a record label like. It'd be fun, little independent, but yeah, we just want to make some. We want to build on top of that. So you have, I assume, like a manager, still. Yeah, yeah, I do. I do have a manager still. It's interesting to me that a lot of artists talk about their manager and label and stuff like that, almost like they're the boss. And it's like, dude, they work for you. You know, like, oh, my manager won't let me. Your manager doesn't write the fucking check. You do. Dude, so many problems right there too that I don't know why where that comes from I think it's like a such a weird relationship the artist to manager I've been lucky though I have a really good relationship with my manager and, and I think a lot of it is probably them just being young and not really knowing that it doesn't have to be that way or that they have the option to be in charge and you know maybe they just don't feel comfortable it's almost like uh like a, a dad son yes yeah exactly you know, it, exactly yeah it's almost like a yeah like, a, like your manager could be like a, a father figure to you and that's why it's like oh i want to do this like you can't do that it's the same shit like same shit yeah and you know you went through that major label system and you kind of know what you want and to me that's the best possible place to be you've seen you know, you've seen the high, how it works at the highest levels, and now you can take that and you can choose to go that direction if you want to, but you can also choose to go another direction. Yeah, it's it, yeah, it's it's completely up on the, up on the table. It's completely if 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 a good opportunity mainstream presents itself, I'm not going to turn that down. But I'm looking, I'm looking down in in here in, in the underground to see what I can do because I feel like there's a lot. I don't know. There's just a lot of. I'm not going to say more creativity, but something different well there's less people involved to put their stamp on it and slow things down and stuff yeah uh for sure and i feel like you know i came from where i'm at like i came from the underground it's it's a community it's a family especially like the soundcloud era people you know um so i'm just seeing what we what we could do we could do great things again man we did it once we sure. do it again well i mean it's not like you fell off or something your stuff is still getting millions and millions of plays <laughs> you know you're still better than a lot of people ever will be that's the virgo in me the perfectionist oh see i'm a Vir i'm a virgo too and i am the same way like yeah i'm only as good as the last thing i did yeah See, I love that, man. Love that. So how much do you think you've grown into being kind of the CEO of yourself, if that makes sense? That has honestly just recently kind of been a thing, if that makes sense. Like in the last like couple months, getting sober and getting control of my, my, my brain, my mind was the most important thing. I just want to like, yeah, I just want to do this myself. I want to like, I don't know how to describe it. It's a, it's a crazy ex like way to describe it. Like, I don't know. I just feel like I could do more as a human being sober now. So I just want to continue on that and be a boss. Yeah, just be a boss with it. It seems like a lot of people probably thought that you were going to be, you know, I don't know, I'll say Bobby Shmurda or something like that. Like someone that had a couple, you know, kind of meme songs and then disappeared. And 
it seems like you're really doing the opposite of that of like maybe you you know maybe you'll be you know on the radio again maybe you won't but either way you've found like this core group of fans that really love and support you <laughs> yeah that will probably stay with you know, like you could be making music until you're 60 if you want to yeah and there's still be that little like little niche and I, I would I would rather have that personally. I'd rather have like oh yeah I'm, a core group of a couple thousand people that will support you forever than a huge song on the radio. That sounds nice. That sounds like retirement. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and that, and I don't mean to I don't mean to make it sound like oh well you're not popular anymore, but that's okay. Like I don't mean that. I mean it's like you've oh uh, no you get you've you've found a group of people that like really have a deep connection with you yeah like we got big in america first but shout out to like all the latin countries i noticed all your comments there's a lot of hispanic people in the comments (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's the craziest thing it's i think it's because when i first said my name was diego like i don't look uh hispanic which is hilarious but i'm full hispanic so when i said that it's almost like they're like yep he's one of us like bringing them back down here right right well it's i do find it interesting that there's that whole like Oh, he's just a rich white kid thing. <laughs> I wish I was just a rich white kid. I probably wouldn't have made music. Nah, nah, definitely not. I was, uh, I grew up pretty, pretty poor. <laughs> yeah, but shout out to all the Latin countries: uh, Mexico, uh, Chile, Argentina, Brazil, Spain. Bro, yeah, I, I don't know what it was, but I love that they love the music and they love who I am and I love them for supporting me. And yeah, I'm just gonna, I need to do shows. I, I should go do like some shows out there. We have a couple songs that it looks, I don't know much about like the like Latin scene, but th- that are a little bit more like kind of like reggaeton kind of inspired. And it sounds like you did some features with some of those people. Yeah. Cause when, when I started to realize that I had a big fan base down South, a lot of the big artists down there started hitting me up. Crazy big artists that I didn't even know about until then. But they do like a hundred million like plays on like a video in like a month. I'm like, holy shit! That that scene is fucking huge. I don't know that much it's about huge. it, other than like I remember seeing Despacito before it was popular in America, and it still had like a billion plays. Yeah, it it's crazy, bro. It's like a whole another world, you know? Because like the the dude will get like a hundred and fifty million uh plays in like. A month right but you're like you but you never heard of right right but obviously he's like the Huge. shit <laughs> yeah and i i found i found that so interesting and so i started to get hit up by people like that and people would hit me up and then we just you know started working yeah they're great people man they're great people i love them it's different than working with like american artists sometimes working with american artists it seems like kind of put together too much and like not organic it's like oh you get this if i do a collab with him I get this much clout, <laughs> right. you get that much clout. Uh, the spreadsheet. And, and, yeah, the spread, the clout yeah. sheet. Um, but uh, and, yeah, over down south, it's more just like, uh, yo, you want to make some good music? Let's make some good music, see what happens. Have you played many shows down there or you haven't had a chance yet? I had a tour before the pandemic to go down there. Uh, I think Mexico City, further down just the areas, uh, South America and stuff. But it, it all got canceled. Um, the ticket sales were amazing. But th- what happened was the promoters fell through. So it just like, right. I was so I was so excited like to go down there because knowing the big fan base I have out there, I was just like, yo, this is going to be crazy. Like, I'm sure it'll still be there when you're able to make it happen again. Yeah, I hope I hope shows and everything come back, man. Like, people are struggling out here. Yeah. 
Well, you know, your genre is one where it's a lot more feasible to make a living without playing shows than it is like in rock where like streams are just never going to be, well, I shouldn't say never, but it's unlikely that streams are going to be as big as they are for like your genre. Oh yeah. No, I don't, I, I don't think that they will be either, like. So you started your Patreon in October, I think it was. Tell me about that. Me and Kim folks started a Patreon in October. We've put out like a, a little bit of content because it's kind of like I consider it like it's in like a, a weird state. We want to do something crazy with the Patreon. So but we're just setting up a lot of things on the outside to make sure that the content is crazy. So we, we've been a little slow on it, but we have some content on there that we keep putting up. But we want to turn it into a whole uh, like podcast kind of like uh, just something that I just uh, something Good. So I, I want to feel good about what I give. If people are paying, I want to feel good about like what content they get. So I wouldn't I would say like if you want some new content. Yeah, we're, we're uploading exclusive content on Patreon right now. But I would say wait a couple months to to do the Patreon. My personal opinion is that people I think that creators see it that way, like that they really have to like over deliver. But I don't think audiences see it that way. I think they just want you to keep doing what you're doing. Yeah. Like from my Patreon, my Patreon, which isn't huge, but you know, it's, it's decent. Only about 10% of the people actually consume the stuff that I put out on Patreon. Yeah. And they don't cancel or anything. I think they just want to support me. And you know, I support a few other people. I don't ever really look at the stuff they give me. Well, yeah, you got, you've built, what you've built is amazing though. You built like you have a you know, a, pod, a big podcast. You have the YouTube like show, like bro. We we stay watching that <laughs> over here. So I'm I'm about to sign. I'm about to sign up to your Patreon right now. Dog. There you go. Well, I guess what I'm saying is, you know, I think it's awesome to challenge yourself to deliver a lot, but at the same time, people I think are just happy to support. Yeah, yeah, and and shout out to them for real because uh, they contribute, support, and. I like that. I want to have like a, a good community on Patreon one day where it's just like like that. Yeah. I think Patreon's amazing. Like and whether it's that or OnlyFans or whatever, like the future to me is clearly like directly connecting with your fans, like just cutting out the labels and the promoters and everybody just cut out all the bullshit and just connect directly with your fans. And you know, you only need a couple thousand people to be able to support yourself on Patreon as compared to like needing a billion streams. Yeah. You, you get a couple thousand people on the Patreon. Oh man. And you're, you're good. You're living. Yeah. You're good. That's crazy. There's a couple specific things I wanted to ask you about in, uh, in a couple songs and videos. Uh, one was uh, with girls, girls, girls. You said uh, there's a line in there. It's like all my life. I've been an image. <laughs> uh, yeah. What is, what tell me about that? Uh, all my life. I've been an image. That's definitely, me just uh lashing out that i feel like uh, the world has this perception of me that probably isn't definitely not accurate they just think i'm stupid uh, on drugs or something and the media paints a, you know they paint an image that usually is not nice so it's yeah. just kind of like uh, it's just toying with that idea like i don't know because i'm so used to it at this point so I might as well just throw it in the music like, sure let people let people know but at the same time you know, you are an entertainer. Oh yeah, like I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, I feel like yeah, like a puppet, like a puppet. Some yeah, definitely during like 2018, I definitely felt like a puppet. 
to the people above me. But how much of what you put out, and I think about this for myself, obviously you're a 5 billion times more well-known than I am, but you know, I think about this too as like, you know, you kind of have to put out an image to the public because they expect a certain thing from you. And like how much of what yeah. you do is being a character? Not that it's fake, but do you know what I mean? Um, well, a lot of the, the ratchet shit on, uh, on my Instagram is definitely a result of when I was like fucked up off like Xanax and stuff. Yeah. When I, when I started doing Xanax, I do the most wildest shit that I, and I get sober every time. I'm like, why did y'all, why did y'all <laughs> let me do that? Like looking back, but I leave it up cause it, it goes up. Like it does millions of views and I'm like, they liked it somewhat. Somebody liked that. But yeah, being like sober now, it's just more like, I don't know. I just want to, just want to be normal. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know how to describe it. It's, it's definitely a weird time. It's just a weird time, man. You see some people in the comments are like, oh, I miss the old Zan. Ah. And that's, that's got to be interesting to see since people fucking hated that. Yeah. Right. Like the old Zan. <laughs> What's the old Zan? <laughs> the old, you miss me off, uh, off four Xanaxes and fucking scootering through the crib, breaking shit. Right. Like, I know. My homies don't miss the old <laughs> I'm sure you don't either. <laughs> nah, yeah, I don't I don't miss that. Uh I was younger, which uh, you know, uh was definitely a big part of it too. Younger, the drugs, money, fame, like all four of those things probably the worst uh combination. But yeah, just you know, we've evolved over all even my friends have evolved. Like my friends are older than me, obviously. Um, and I think that's what helped me out is them. Like they I, I feel like I'm 30. But I'm not. How do you sort of get the sense of who is really there for you and supporting you and who is either a clout chaser or just, you know, viewing it as a transactional thing? Yeah, like some yes man people. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm such a nice person. So in the beginning, like I would take a bunch of people on tour. Like obviously we take, you know, the main homies on tour. They're good. We just let other people like pile up on the tour bus. And they were just trying to obviously soak up like what we were doing, you know what I mean? Like shows and travel and stuff. Yeah. And and I didn't realize it because of course they're coming out to me like, oh man, you you're so great, Dan. Oh, we're you know, friends, like, right? We're friends, yeah. Like me, you, yeah, you're dope. And uh, so I was just like, oh, everybody loves me. Yeah, <laughs> everybody loves me. Um, but yeah, no. Nah. And then my friends, oh, my friends, even to this day, still do it. Not as much, obviously, because we've kicked about a lot of the the fake out. But they still come up to me and be like, yo, this guy is just a clown, bro. Like, stop fucking with him. And I'm like, I'm like, what? I'm like, he's a clown? And, I, and then he tells me why. I'm like, oh, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. like, it just goes straight over my head. Like, um, But yeah, we got rid of that probably like a year and a half ago. We got rid of like all the, the negativity, all the fake people. But they still try to come around and it's just, we're, we're smarter than that at this point. Like, I, I know how to recognize it now. So, And, you know, I think a lot of people... It's not like they're bad people that are trying to use you or something. It's just that they think it's cool that they're around somebody who's, you know, famous and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. They definitely get a thrill out of uh, just being up in that scene. And yeah, and you know, it's cool, too, because some of them have made careers off of like uh, just being up in my scene and then someone else has seen inner gliding with that like and now they're doing big things with that artist sure so shout out to it yeah so shout out to them like that's what i'm trying it's to almost do like yeah yeah it's almost like that annoying kid that you gotta keep like you know you gotta keep poking the bear man you gotta keep 
because something like that might happen. The other thing I wanted to ask you about was the video for Wide Awake, which for anybody who hasn't seen it, is oh you <laughs> up on the roof of some uh, you know fancy penthouse with about yeah. a, a dozen a, a dozen <laughs> girls, a dozen video vixens, uh, yeah, shaking vixens their butts. For sure. Uh, it what, what, it, it's you seem so out of place there. What is that all about? Oh my god! <laughs> Yo, um, shout out to that song. Uh, it's a very good song, by the way. Home, yeah, our homie who had uh, who had done the beat passed away. Rest in peace. Oh, was that um, uh, Diego? Yeah. Oh, Diego. Yeah. Oh, okay. Diego did that RIP, yeah, yeah, Diego did that. Oh, and yeah, and and Mikey. Yeah. yeah, Mikey and Diego did the beat. Um, and what happened was I was staying in that penthouse actually for like. The, the previous month with uh, Tali Yahweh, another dope ass uh, artist. Yeah. And one day I think I was just like, well, we got to utilize this place. It's still a crazy video. What, 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 what would happen? Insane. Like we had no idea. Like uh, they brought the girls up and it was just like, oh, right, we're going to have a video. It turned into a full fledged like party like two hours later. And I like, I think the vi- we probably spent like an hour directing the video just to running around the penthouse. And then it just like cut party. Jake Paul showed up. It's like, and it's crazy. Like that shit just didn't happen. So this was pre-sobriety? Yeah, I was fucked up. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I was definitely, they had to, I think, drag me out at the end of the night of the, of the penthouse, uh, the security back down to my other room. And this probably didn't look that good, but right. it's a good night. Yeah, it was a good night. Everybody had fun. It's just so odd to me to see somebody like you you know, in, you know, your kind of stereotypical rap video like that. I know what you're talking about. It's definitely, it can be seen as, yeah, a little out of place and stuff. Yeah, blame the director. <laughs> no, I, I'm i not saying it's good or bad. It just, it's just kind of strange, you know, just because I see you as more of like an alternative kid. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, yeah, that video was very, like, more, like, yeah, in your face, like, like that. But, um, yeah, great director, but. Very cool yeah, edit, I, I know too. Yeah, cool edit. Um, yeah, I know. I know what you're talking about. Though. I know exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it could have been. It could have been more uh, dark. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, it is what it is. Uh, cool. Yeah. Well, I won't take up too much more of your time. But one last thing for I guess anybody listening to this who you know has has considered trying to get sober and is maybe afraid of facing the world without the ability to self medicate. What would you tell that person? Depending on where you're at with your drug use, like if you're, you know, far gone, you definitely need to seek help because I've had seizures trying to just go cold turkey off of, uh, yeah, you can die from, I've had eight seizures now from trying to go cold turkey off specifically Xanax. And it's like the scariest thing ever. Um, So if you're really far down bad, yeah, you have to get help. But I mean, for the best, like get help, get on some detox stuff. There's always someone there to help. But if you're just starting it, bro, stop that right now. Because let me tell you, that like almost ruined my life. Almost, yeah, almost killed me. I'm, I, I tell my friends this, and it's another morbid joke, but it's like I'm so grateful to be alive because I've lost, we've lost friends that did 90 times less the amount of drugs that we did and died and overdosed. So it's like, it's a blessing that, you know, Nothing bad happened to me. But yeah, it's not worth it. I know it's like probably the most cringy, cliche thing to say, but like drugs aren't cool. You know, um, there was a time I thought that shit was cool. But 2021, if you're still like doing all that shit, you gotta stop, man. Just stop. Get, get help. There's always someone to talk to. I know, you, I know people feel alone and people's mental health, I know, are going through it right now with the pandemic. 
but you just got to stay strong. Even my mental health is kind of going a little cuckoo with the pandemic. But you just, yeah, you just got to stay strong and uh, just try to focus on yourself. Do what, do something that betters you as a person. Yeah, there's just, I, I wish I could like speak to like a whole like classroom of kids right now. Right on. Well, I'm sure you're helping people. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on, man. Yeah, good luck with the rest of the year. Yo, thank you, brother. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that, and you can just sit at home thinking about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. The number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station. It was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Right? Yeah! Yeah! Down! The wrath of the buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.